everybody, and welcome back to Mindset Reset, and I'm your host, Ben Newton. This is the second episode in our four-part series with Sean Acor, best-selling author and world-renowned speaker. In the first episode, we set the stage by talking about rational optimism and then discussed how to maintain social connection in a time of social distancing. In this episode, we're going to talk about how you can inoculate your brain against anxiety and stress. Uh, you know, there. I, I think as we um, as we're kind of thinking about what's going on, and I don't know anyone else, you know, listening to this, but you know, I I found that the you know the the first week of you know sheltering at home was pretty stressful. It's it's uh, you uh, you want to stay in touch, you want to understand what's going on, but you can't. You can't ignore the news. You can't ignore social media, like in particular with with kids, but with anybody, you got to know what's going on. But, you know, there's a lot of messages that are kind of difficult to take in. And through all of that, you want to you want to be thinking about your mental health and your own you know ability to kind of uh, keep a positive mindset. So one important thing we wanted to talk about was, you know, basically inoculating your brain against anxiety and stress. So, so let's talk a little bit about that, Sean. I mean, how do you really approach that? Because there's so much coming at you. How can you really kind of put up the right, um, I don't, you know, basically just like we want to inoculate against a virus. How do you inoculate your own, your, yourself against some of this stuff that we're, we, we have to deal with on a regular basis to, to live our daily lives? Well, my wife and I, um, Michelle Gillen, she, uh, uh, she started actually in the news. So she was studying how uh, she started as a network news anchor and she felt like she was telling all these negative stories over and over again. So she wanted to stop so that she could go study what impact the media was having upon us. Um, and we did a study with Ariana Huffington several years ago. And we found that just the three minutes of negative news in the morning impacted your mood six to eight hours later. Um, your likelihood wow. of reporting a negative day rose by 27% compared to watching neutral news in the morning. Um, that I feel like people kind of knew that we had no idea that the effects were lasting that long. Like that watching the news in the morning was impacting picking up kids uh, from school later on in the day. Um, what became fascinating though, is the next part of the study. So uh, they took that same negative piece of news, but that they appended a solution to it. Right. So it's not just, here's the world, like, here's how homelessness is terrible in, uh, um, in a certain state or a city. Um, at the end of it, they appended on, and here's uh, the food bank that you can donate to. Appending a solution to the problem, it turns out it tripled the problem-solving abilities that the individual had on the very next task they did. Um, even if they didn't donate to the food bank, it's the fact that their brain isn't just creating broken bridges. It's actually believing that you there's a possibility of your behavior can matter in the midst of it. Increases your likelihood of looking for those things. So I, I see it myself and I have to keep fighting against it in the midst of this crisis is that as soon as your brain sees a threat, your brain starts to believe maybe I'm under, uh, there, maybe there are other threats. So your brain scans for them. <laughs> it's easy to scan for them on Twitter and on, uh, that's where I've been, uh, that's been my trap recently is on Twitter. And uh, then your brain pulls over more resources to scan for more threats. And if you're looking for them now, you will find them. There are a ton of them and now they're all over the world. So then your brain's like, definitely I'm in a, uh, a place of threat. So I need to stop and take all my resources to deal with these threats. Problem is the part, those resources you keep pulling over, those are the only parts of the brain that process meaning, purpose, and joy. 
So what happens is the more our brain is doing threat detection, the less it's actually processing the things that we're grateful for in our lives. So I think two things uh, I've been practicing and that align with the research that we've been seeing in the past. One of them is um, uh, creating a mental moat around your day. We know that the weakest times for your brain, um, the two most uh, highest levels of weakness where your brain has the fewest amount of resources are the first 30 minutes of the day and last 30 minutes of the day. We know that just about fatigue levels and your hormone levels. Um, so if that's the weakest part of my day, that's oftentimes when I pick up my phone and find out what happened the night before, right? Or right as I'm trying to go to sleep for the evening, I'm reading about all these threats that are occurring within my life. So what I did is I just shut that part off. Um, so I made a moat around my day where the first 30 minutes, the last 30 minutes, I just don't engage with social media or the news. Um, I still do it during the rest of the day because I want to know what's going on in the world and I want to be a rational optimist in the midst of it. But I'm actually creating a defense in my day so that when my brain does see the negative, I increase the likelihood of my brain having the resources to deal with it. The other thing we need to do is if we're going to bring so much uh, imagery and information of negativity in, we actually have to have a counterbalancing um, storehouse of positive imagery on the other side. So I worked with a group of uh, critical care nurses in Boston post the bombing that occurred there. And one of the things that they, they told me that they did is they would keep a manila envelope on their desk. And all throughout the year, when something good would happen um, in their ward, they would, uh, like a patient got better or a kid drew a picture of them being a nurse or their kids at home wrote a thank you note or a school class said how great they were. They would put those in there and they would keep them or a note from a peer um, and then when those terrible days happen, which they always do, especially in these trauma wards, um, when those terrible days happen, they open up this in case of emergency folder. And suddenly their brain now has access to the storehouse of positive imagery. Because what happens in the midst of threat is your brain, that negative starts to take up the entirety of your brain's vision. Um, so what you need to do is actually have something else your brain can latch onto. What we find is that those small thank you notes might not uh, and probably will not um, completely neutralize the impact of a threat of unemployment, right? Or a threat of disease upon a family, right? Um, what we're finding is that it seems to actually uh, uh, give your brain the awareness that it's not, that the negative is not the entirety of the world. It's local and it might be also temporary. The good things could happen in the future. As soon as that happened, the brain shifts and starts to have resources that it allocates to solving the problem instead of being paralyzed by it. So I think that there's some simple ways to do that. The way that we start our homeschool with our kids now, um, we write down three things we're grateful for, just like we've been researching. So three things you're grateful for that, have that are new, that have occurred over the past 24 hours. That's something we've done for a long time. That's how we put our kids to sleep at night. Um, what happens is your brain then is scanning for something new that's positive in the midst of all this negativity that's going on. Um, I think that uh, that's true for any challenge or crisis or any day. But what we've added onto it that um, I'm excited to study now is... Um, now the very next day we go back through the gratitudes the day before and we pick our favorite one and then we crumple it up on, write it on a sheet of paper, crumple it up and put it into a bowl. So we're actually revisiting the things we were grateful for, for the day before increasing our likelihood of remembering it and then storing it. And then it becomes this tapestry of meaning for our family so that when this crisis ends, whenever that is, we're going to have a notebook and this bowl full of all the positive things that occurred in the midst of this, instead of this was such a difficult period in our lives.
Sean, I have a question for you that you hearing you talk about it. Um, you reminded me of something that I uh, I was wondering the last time I heard you talk about this a few weeks ago. Is you you say three things? Is there any is there any particular reason why you pick three, or is that just a is it a convenient number, or just more than one? I mean, why, why three? That's a great question. For, from the research side, we don't know too much about the answer to that. Um, what matters is the scanning. So we ten might be better than three. The reason we pick three is about one, it gets, it's pretty easy. Three, your brain actually has to push a little bit harder. Ten feels overwhelming and people stop. Um, that's actually the main reason for it. If there's a bigger difference, like if doing ten, I, I'm willing to bet ten would be better than three if you could get somebody to do it. So what we picked was something that was easy that somebody could do in a 45-second period of time. Part of the reason I've been doing the three is we've been trying to get people to do it while they brush their teeth so that there's a a retrieval cue in the brain that as soon as they think about brushing their teeth, they actually think about gratitudes. So if you already have one positive habit, you don't have to add another one. You just do it during the previous positive habit. So a 45 seconds of thinking of three new things you're grateful for can occur while you brush your teeth. That probably helped me brush my teeth better too, because I <laughs> spend more time brushing my teeth. Well, well, you know, one, one thing I, I, uh, definitely want to say too, when, when I, when I heard you speak in February and, and I definitely took away, um, that I did. I wanted to try it. So, you know, like I said, we have two kids. And so we started, um, doing a dinner. Cause I think I remember you, that, that you guys did it at least for a while at, at dinner. And, uh, you know, we've been doing it for a few weeks now and I, and we, we, I wasn't sure. I was like, okay, we should probably keep doing it through the crisis. But I was like, you know, I wonder how this is going to go. And it's actually been amazingly impactful. And, and, and I'll try the bedtime thing too, because we, I think the way you were talking about it, it, it definitely, it shifts the mood immediately. I've seen it because, you know, we're a little stressed because we just made dinner trying to get the kids to be quiet and sit down, you know, uh, you know, my wife just cooked or whatever, or maybe I cooked and, you know, we're, there's, there's usually stress going into dinner, but you immediately sit down. Yeah. It's like it, it's like it shifts and, and it, it stays that way for a while. And that's pretty, um, so, so I, I guess one question al- along with that, is it about those habits and, and kind of introducing those during the day? Is that, is that probably what helps too? Is that you, you start kind of injecting this throughout the day as well? Does that, does that help? It, it absolutely helps because uh, we're finding is that, that you know, in, in certain religious traditions, they would play a, a bell like at certain hours just to bring your brain back to awareness of this amazing we're even alive right now, right? Or there's things to be grateful for. Um, I think in the midst of all this, like, uh, you know, when this first started happening, I felt like my brain was going to panic mode immediately, like thinking about all the threats that are going on and gratitude falls down on that list. But we find that when people are grateful, their levels of optimism rise, their brains scan for more solutions. We actually find that their productivity improves, creative problem solving improves, creativity triples, intelligence rises. So if we have a massive problem we need to deal with, we need to bring the best brain possible to bear upon that situation. So we're finding that these small things like gratitudes actually have huge impacts upon us feeling like, are we paralyzed in the midst of this or are we actually moving beyond ourselves to help somebody out in the midst of this? One of the things I, I, I love to mention with the gratitudes is we've been doing work in crisis centers. And, you know, uh, a lot of the work that I do is in the midst of high levels of challenge. One of the things I shared at the SumaLogic con- uh, conference was this idea that uh, that uh, we were working with a level one trauma hospital, um, Orlando Health, and we got them at every single one of their staff meetings to have every person in the room say one thing that they're grateful for. Exactly what you're doing at the dinner table, right? Start the meeting, not with all the threats they have to, the fires they need to put out. They're actually starting with gratitude, um, which is 
it's, it feels like it's not part of the job description, right? Um, they did it for two years and then getting this part of their culture that when we start meetings, we need to start a positive, we're going to do this. And then as I shared, two years after we started doing this with them, uh, the Pulse nightclub shooting occurred three blocks down from them. So this is a level one trauma hospital. They see trauma all the time. They're designed. This is the largest trauma they've experienced all at one time, like what we're experiencing in an unprecedented time. And what they found was the very next morning, the thing that they were, that they started their meetings, their staff meetings with gratitudes again, because that was their culture. They said that they were so grateful that they hadn't wasted the last two years just working with the people that they were working with. And I think in the midst of this, we could just hunker down. I think we could just try and get our work done wherever, what it, whatever it is. And we can, you know, just try to ride this out as long as we can. Or like you're doing, you can see all the, you can scan for the positives that are going on and then use that as a fuel to help other people in the midst of this challenge. And that's what actually causes people to feel higher levels of happiness. Uh, isolation and loneliness. I was just reading a great research study about it. They found that the loneliness comes oftentimes not from the fact that there aren't a quantity of people around them, but that they feel like that they don't have a meaningful impact upon those people yeah. and vice versa, right? So you can you can increase that meaning by by uh, pushing out instead of just receiving. Yeah, well, that, that's that's yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I and I would say my 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 boss starts our um, staff meetings with this now, and it, it definitely has has made an impact. And, you know, I'm, I, I, you know, I, I have a little cynicism every once in a while. I'm like, Oh, this is going to be painful. But you know, once you, I think you make a habit out of it, it starts to become more natural and yeah, it does. It definitely changes, uh, how you think about, you know, things and how you think about the world around you. If you, you're starting it off like that. Yeah. That's, um, that's pretty amazing. Um, well, I mean, this kind of, you know, pulling this all together with some, you know, summarizing some, some actions that, you know, all of you can do. So, so like Sean was saying, um, he, he, he creates a moat around his day. I love that expression. Uh, so you can create a moat around your day by starting brushing your teeth or however you want to do it by, uh, talking about three things you're grateful for before you go to bed at night, making sure to, you know, uh, think about something positive, think about some of those good things that have happened during the day, something that you're grateful for, you know, and find some other places inserted. Like, you know, uh, my family's done around the dinner table, around meetings, however it, however it is, but inserting that throughout the day will help kind of keep that positive momentum throughout the day. So I, I think that's really easy things to do. And it can be, you know, it can be, uh, you know, fun to do. And if you want to go for the advanced level, maybe you can start doing this thing where you keep it and put it in a bowl. Maybe we'll try that once my family's been doing it for a few weeks. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's, that's, that's really great. Like we we're saying in the stressful times, being able to inoculate your brain against this and being really being able to, to, to figure out how to maintain that momentum. Thanks everybody for listening to another episode of Mindset Reset. This has been the second episode in a four part series. In our next episode, you can learn how to become more adaptive in the midst of uncertainty and change by creating short-term goals and cataloging positive progress. So thank you for spending time with us and see you on the next episode of Mindset Reset. Masters of Data is brought to you by Sumo Logic. Sumo Logic is a cloud-native machine data analytics platform delivering real-time continuous intelligence as a service to build, run, and secure modern applications. Sumo Logic empowers the people who power modern business. For more information, go to sumologic.com. <laughs>